Psalm 79, these are the words of God. The Psalm of Asaph. O God, the nations have come into your inheritance. Your holy temple they have defiled. They've laid Jerusalem in heaps, the dead bodies of your servants. They have given its food for the birds of the heavens, the flesh of your saints to the beasts of the earth. Their blood they have shed like water all round Jerusalem, and there is no one to bury them. We've become a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and derision to those who are around us. How long, Yahweh, will you be angry forever? Will your jealousy burn like fire? Pour out your wrath on the nations that do not know you, and on the kingdoms that do not call on your name. For they have devoured Jacob and laid waste his dwelling place. Oh, do not remember former iniquities against us. Let your tender mercies come speedily to meet us, for we have been brought very low. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name, and deliver us and provide atonement for our sins for your name's sake. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Let there be known among the nations in our sight the avenging of the blood of your servants which has been shed. Let the groaning of the prisoner come before you. According to the greatness of your power, preserve those who were appointed to die. And return to our neighbors sevenfold into their bosom their reproach with which they have reproached you, O Lord. So we, your people, and sheep of your pasture, will give you thanks forever. We will show forth your praise to all generations. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. This is apparently written in the wake of uh, the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple uh, by the Babylonians in 586 uh, BC, the Babylonian siege that begins in 587 and uh, goes into uh, 586. Uh, this seems to be uh, written by one of those poor who uh, are left in the land uh, as they consider what is uh, what has happened. Uh, and this is someone who loves uh, the glory of God. You can see that uh, at the heart of the psalm uh, in verse 9. For the glory of your name, for your name's sake, and so this is how someone who loves God's glory, loves his name, someone who has been converted, someone who the Lord uh, foreknew and predestined and called, for whom the Lord is working all things together for their good, because they love God. And we know the only way someone can have been come to love God is by having been called according to God's purpose. And so if God from before the world began intended to call them, to justify them, to glorify them, to conform them to the image of Christ, and that now has uh, has been brought out in the evidence of loving God uh, from the heart, uh, then all things, even the destruction of Jerusalem, and even if we're making application to our day, finding the, the church in a very low state, 
in, the, in which the worship of God is almost unknown, the true worship of God, uh, and in, in which uh, the church is attacked with success uh, on many different sides in many different ways, uh, whether uh, openly, uh, uh, politically, uh, or even physically in some places, and especially in some nations, uh, or more subtly, uh, spiritually, uh, attacks from outside and within upon the theology and morality of the church uh, by those who uh, would be worthy of the nickname Jezebel, like we heard recently uh, in uh, from uh, the book of Revelation. How do those who love God's glory, how do they respond to the church being in such a low state? Uh, and we see at least uh, four responses here. The first is that love for God's glory agonizes over the church's ruination. Uh, and we see this especially in verses 1 through 4. <coughs> Just uh, the pain of it. Oh God, the nations have come into your inheritance, your holy temple, your servants, your saints. Uh, those four yours in verses 1 and 2. Uh, and you can hear, uh, even in the illustrations, uh, their blood they have shed like water uh, all around Jerusalem. Uh, and the the agony, the pain of seeing that which belongs to God, that which is supposed to be for his glory, that which is supposed to be a display of his redemption and his goodness and uh, and the the protection and privilege and pleasure that belongs to those who have him. And it has all been brought so very low and is mockable, has become a scorn and a derision and a reproach. And so love for his glory agonizes over the ruin of the church, even when the church richly deserves it. Judah, Jerusalem, they richly deserved for this to happen. And yet it's God's church. It's God's people. It was God's temple. It was God's worship. Uh, and so this should, uh, this should have application in our life when we look out around at the church landscape. For instance, when we were, when we were uh, looking through the description of the so-called revival and noticing how much ignorance there is uh, of God and of what actual life in the Lord Jesus looks like and what actual worship looks like, uh, that we don't look at it with a, a um, uh, merely indignation, uh, but that we grieve over the low state uh, of the church of God uh, and, uh, and agonize over the church's ruination. Uh, and that agony also <coughs> comes in the second place with a pleading for the church's restoration, a pleading for the church's restoration or reviving, which we see especially in verses 5 through 9. How long, O Yahweh, will you be angry forever? Will your jealousy burn like fire? Pour out your wrath on nations that do not know you, on kingdoms that do not call on your name. For they have devoured Jacob and laid waste his dwelling place. O oh, do not remember former iniquities against us. Let your tender mercies come speedily to meet us, for we had been brought very low. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name. Now, this is actually helped by uh, by some of what has been 
prophesied, for instance, uh, in Isaiah and Jeremiah, where the Lord uh, not only proclaimed to Israel, the, or to especially Judah, uh, the destruction that would come upon them for their sin, uh, but also promised the return from the exile and promised the restoration and promised it in such a way that uh, has really its fulfillment in the coming of Christ, the coming of the kingdom of God, which they, of course, would look forward to, and they're desiring the restoration, but Israel never became a great kingdom again. But now the Israel of God is the greatest kingdom there ever has been, because its king sits on the throne of heaven and its peoples cover the whole earth. Uh, and so there, uh, there has been a great coming of the kingdom in the coming of the king. Uh, and, uh, and so they had Bible reason, uh, but they also just have reason in God himself, in his character. Yes, he is angry with sin. Will you be angry forever? And he's full of wrath, and his wrath has an object all of the nations and all of the kingdoms of the earth, but he's also merciful. How do they know? Well, in part, because they're praying and singing to God. This is uh, not a prayer of despair. This is a prayer of faith. Do you see what verse 6 is, in, uh, is implying by the contrast? We know you. We call on your name. Do you see what verse 8 is implying by contrast? You have brought us to repentance. We are no longer doing the things that we were doing before. Uh, and so someone who has been brought to know God, has been brought to know God's name, someone who not, is not sinless, but has been brought to repentance, has been brought to a hatred of, uh, of his sin or her sin, can actually plead to God the character of God that has produced those good things in us. Our knowing him didn't come from us. Our, our learning to cry out to him when we are in difficulty, that didn't come from us. Repentance uh, from our sin certainly did not come from us. Where did it come from? Verse 8, your tender mercies. Verse 9, O God of our salvation. You see, the character of God has in it his goodness, his tender mercy, from which his uh, electing love, his redeeming love, uh, has sprung forth. And he glorifies himself not only in pouring out wrath upon sin, which incidentally he has, that part of glorifying himself, he has done most of all where? At the cross. Not even just in hell, but at the cross. But he also glorifies himself also most of all at the cross in his tender mercy and in his salvation. And so we're still pleading for his glory as we as we plead for the church's restoration or the church's uh, reviving. Love for God's glory uh, desires not only that the church would be restored, but that the church would be uh, avenged. Uh, we ask for deliverance and atonement uh, for his name's sake, but then we also ask uh, that the Lord would be glorified in his justice, and that that which others have done to the church uh, would re be repaid upon them, whether in a union with Jesus Christ in which they are brought to faith and his wrath is poured out on what they have done on the cross, uh, or whether they are never brought to faith uh, and in the last day 
when history is closed and opportunity for repentance is ended, uh, we will praise God and pray only for retribution upon those uh, who still at that point uh, are in hatred of his church and hatred of him. And so verse uh, 10 through 12, uh, why should the nation say, where is their God? Let there be known among the nations in our sight the avenging of the blood of your servants which has been shed. Let us, in other words, see and praise you for the justice in which you take vengeance. The Lord says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And so since it's something that belongs uniquely and peculiarly to him, on the one hand, we don't take our own vengeance, right? We leave room for the wrath of God and we love our enemies and we even desire that those enemies be converted. But on the other hand, not only do we not take our own vengeance, but we praise God for his vengeance. We look forward to the day when the repayment comes. And so uh, we appeal to God's uh, not just compassion, but power. So uh, a lot of this is appealing to his compassion, but uh, look at the interesting way that verse 11 is phrased. Let the groaning of the prisoner come before you According to the greatness of your power, preserve those who are appointed to die. So there's both compassion and power uh, that we see that God's rescue of his people in this life or then revenge uh, for his people, both in this life and uh, ultimately in the last day, uh, would be displays both of his justice uh, in what is right and his mercy having compassion and sympathy with us and his power his power in what he does to them verse 12 return to our neighbors sevenfold into their bosom the reproach with which they have reproached you O lord so we not only agonize over the church's ruination and plead for the church's restoration or reviving uh, but we also appeal uh, for the church's avenging, that we might see God's glory uh, displayed uh, even in his justice and his power and his compassion towards us uh, in what he does uh, to those who, they haven't just attacked his church, they've attacked him. Notice that in verse 12, the reproach with which they have reproached you, O Lord. And finally, love for God's glory looks forward to when all of this is done, knowing what we have been created for, knowing what we have been saved for, that we would know him, that we would thank him, that we would praise him. Uh, and you see those three things in verse 13, that we would know him so that we, your people and the sheep of your pasture, the last two um, wonderful yours uh, of this psalm, that we would know him. And then in the second place that we would thank him, you, we, your people, and the sheep of your pastor, will give you thanks forever. So when all is said and done, when the Lord has heard these prayers and done this work, uh, what is it that lasts forever? There's knowing him and there's thanking him. Uh, and then in the last place, praising him. We will show forth your praise to all generations, that we will praise him forever and ever. Uh, and so... Uh, we are not surprised when the church is persecuted or when the church uh, is in a low state and is uh, is judged by God for her uh, unfaithfulness 
uh, to him. Uh, we're not surprised that that happens because he's given us psalms for how to respond to when that happens. Uh, and yet uh, we now know and we're well instructed by this psalm to agonize over the church's ruination, to plead uh, for the church's restoration, uh, to appeal also for the church's avenging, but also ultimately to look forward to the everlasting fellowship, thanksgiving, and praise that we uh, will have with our God, and that all of the events of history, even in the uh, the most uh, grievous moments of the history of the church, uh, all of them are working towards our fellowship and thanksgiving and praise. All things work together for good, for those who love the glory of God, love God, because we have been called according to his purpose. Amen. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for this psalm. We do agonize over the low state of your church, uh, whether the way it is in our country or the way it is in places where they had previously been faithful and then fell from that and are now severely and sorely oppressed for centuries by uh, murderous Muslims. Lord, truly, uh, the blood of your people in many places has continued to be shed like water. Uh, and we pray that for the glory of your name, um, you would bring to a close the time of her chastening, uh, and that you would bring times of reformation and revival. Uh, we pray, O oh Lord, that Christ would come quickly, that the prayer of the souls under the altar in the fifth seal would be answered, and uh, how long would be filled up. Vengeance belongs to you. We praise you for your justice. We praise you for your holiness. We pray, O oh God, that great multitudes who have been persecutors would be converted, that you would bring an end to the persecution, uh, even by the greatest revival that has ever been. We pray, Lord, that you would help us by your Spirit uh, to have our minds and hearts instructed from your Word in the right way of thinking about your glory in the church and your glory in history. Stir up for us, increase us in loving your glory, we pray, O oh God. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.